The Vets' war has begun! Plus, Logan continues to impress, Ed confides in Ed, champions are targeted, TJ, he's gonna TJ, and Nelson says some shit that only Nelson would find a way to say in a deliberation. It's the challenge, Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode 9 recap, coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. On today's podcast, we are diving into episode nine of Spies, Lies, and Allies. The war between the vets is finally upon us, and it has led to a lot to talk about and digest. As always on this season of Spies, Lies, and Allies, we will use the following format to do so. First, a Cliff Notes recap of everything that just went down. Then we look at the entire episode through the lens of the main storyline. Follow that up with discussion of little things we noticed, aka the secondary storylines. Then a dive into the sporting events of the episode. Awards are handed out from there, and we bring it all home with some power rankings and predictions moving forward. Now, one housekeeping note before we begin. You are now listening to the words of a married man. That's right. We were off last week. Didn't recap episode 8 or preview episode 9 because I spent a full week down in Nashville celebrating and marrying the woman of my dreams. And that is one of very, very few reasons why I'd ever leave you, my faithful listeners, without an episode. It was hands down the best week of my life. Everything was perfect. Couldn't have asked for anything better. And what added a cherry on top was the fact that I got a lot of messages from Uh, some actual challenge cast members, which was mind-blowing and crazy and cool, and more so, a lot of folks within the independent kind of challenge podcast and media community and Instagram and social media community. So to all of those that wrote or commented or anything of that nature, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is, it was really, really cool to get messages from different people, but it was also just another, yet another of what's been many, many reminders of how unbelievably awesome this community that exists around the challenge is. All of the fans and the kind of independent podcasters and media people, everyone is so supportive of everyone else. And it's just a wonderful community to be a part of. And in, you know, even just starting out, like we really are here at this podcast to have everyone, you know, uh, sending their best wishes and things of that nature. It's just really, really cool to see. And I'm sure everyone else out there in this community has experienced that themselves. Um, but it's I'm assuming it's rare amongst you know other independent media areas that this type of support and love doesn't really happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of those who sent their best wishes on. Now, I say all of that to say this, because I didn't recap episode 8, that doesn't mean I didn't eventually watch it, as discussed a few weeks ago, last time we were together. It was the first time I was going to not watch an episode live in a very, very long time, but I did eventually watch it. So, if you hear me backtrack a time or two during this recap to touch on something from last week, that is the reason. But, hopefully I'm able to keep myself from turning this whole thing into a double podcast of sorts, which... 
actually sounds quite tempting, but alas, I'm a long-winded fellow, as is, as you well know, so I can't do that to you. We can't do the double episode here. We're just going to focus on episode 9, with only maybe a passing note on episode 8, if I just can't help myself, I've got to say something. So, with that, let's dive on in and start off our episode 9 only kind of recap with that Cliff Notes recap of everything that just went down. All right, so everything that happened on episode nine, we just watched and now we're recapping it. Let's quickly touch on everything that happened. Cliff Notes recap here as fast as we can, which we're going to be talking even faster than we normally talk because there was a lot of, this was a very plot heavy episode with all the changing in the alliances and things like that. So action-packed, plot-heavy 90 minutes of television. Let's wrap our minds back around everything that just happened. So here we go, as quickly as we can. Cliff Notes recap of Episode 9, Spies, Lies, and Allies. 3, 2, 1, here we go. Priscilla comes back in the house fresh off a win and a power move to end rookie-rookie pairs, but knows that that puts her back on the chopping block. Josh, her new partner, is also feeling that heat, so he puts in motion an attack on Corey. A yoga session takes place the next morning with Emmanuel showing off some interesting eating techniques to mix eating, breakfast, and yoga. Corey and Nelson then sit down and make a list. They make a list of the three known crews in the house. Meanwhile, Ed talks to Ed in a mirror about his ideas and strategy. More vets meet with other vets to suss out who's targeting who and who is rocking with who now that the whole vet truce is no more. We go to a daily challenge. It's called Bombshell Battle. Partners take turns running into a mud pit to retrieve a ball. Once each pair has their four balls, they then go back in a fifth and final time to get a silver ball, of which there are not enough for every team. Those that get one move to the next round. Those that don't are eliminated. Three rounds in total to go from 10 teams down to one. Things get very, very physical, very, very dirty. Loyalties are shown across the board, and some deals are swung in the end. But in the end, it is Logan and Nani who come out on top, becoming the agency. Back of the house, Ashley is nervous. Being a two-time champ is going to put her a target on her back, the same now as it has the last handful of seasons. And for once, her paranoia is correct. They have a backyard party. Everyone does shots. Everyone dances. And then everyone goes to their separate corners to talk game. Ashley and Amber find themselves commiserating over the fact that no one wants to talk about the game with them ever. As the night continues and into the next day, it becomes clear there are two sides to the current divide. Corey versus Ashley. At nominations, Corey lays out why he is trustworthy and Ashley is not, only to be told off by Ashley and eventually put on the spot by Devin. Nelson interjects himself on behalf of Corey, only to say things that have no bearing on the conversation at all and that only Nelson could find himself saying at a time like this. Eventually, they vote and Corey and Bettina are going in. After deliberation is over, Kyle and Corey have some words for each other for what seems to be no reason at all other than just Corey needs to blow off some steam immediately. We head to the lair where Nani and Logan decide to put in a couple, Jeremiah and Amber, as teammates to face off with Corey and Bettina. The game they play is called Hang in the Balance. You have to get across an odd-shaped beam alongside your partner while holding some puzzle pieces. You go back and forth until all of your puzzle pieces have been transported to the other side. And once they are, you put together your puzzle and you win. In the early going, everyone is falling over and over and over. It looks like no one's ever going to get a piece across this beam. Then Jeremiah and Amber find a strategy that gets them across a few times in a row and gives them a huge lead. But just as things are looking insurmountable, 
it everything turns takes a turn and things go 100 in the other direction jeremiah and amber gas out Corey and bettina find a new strategy for them that works and a huge comeback ensues eventually Corey and bettina get all of their pieces across and bettina by herself puts the puzzle together Corey smartly just stands back and says i ain't touching this they get the win Corey and bettina going back into the house amber and jeremiah are going home but just as Corey and Bettina are ready to announce their picks of Casey and CT as new partners and really shake things up, TJ tells them simply, you can rejoin the group. And we're left on a cliffhanger not knowing how or if teams will continue to be a part of this show. Whew. Wow, that was a really long version of this recap. But again, a lot, a lot of plot to work through there. But that's everything that happened. So now let's rewind all the way back to the beginning and look at this entire episode through the story, the lens of the main storyline of the episode. The veteran truce is off and we've got new alliances. That is the story of this episode. This storyline's been building for... Literally the entire season, you know, we've had this whole rookies versus vets, even though it's kind of unfair to the vets to even say there was a versus there, just the vets picking off the rookies one by one by one by one by one by one by one throughout, and more ones after that, throughout the whole season, and we finally have come after last week's episode eight ended with Priscilla and Jeremiah picking strategically to make sure their new teams would uh, have no rookie rookie teams left and therefore a vet have to be chosen by the house so the truce is off the vets are trying to figure out where do all of our loyalties lie where are the alliances within this bigger alliance and that is the the entire crux of this whole episode which again super plot heavy because there's all of this change in there is this this entire episode is basically just a bunch of different one-on-one or three to four person conversations of wait who's working with who now who are who's your number one who are you going to vote for so very strategy plot heavy episode all about this veteran truce being off and all about the new alliances coming together. So let's kind of go walk our way through the episode and talk about a couple things related to this main storyline. Very first thing, it literally starts with this. I mean, uh, almost immediately the first, um, they walk back into the house and the first interview or interview clip that we get is Corey saying, you know, the vet war or the vet truce is done. You know, everyone line up your troops. It's time to go in. We see Josh and Corey and Tori have a little moment of like, hey, let's pat ourselves on the back. We did an awesome thing, and now we go to work. We figure out who's going for who. Do a little fist bump. Get out of there. Josh is immediately threatened by this, which of course he is. Um, our guy hasn't really calmed down um, in the weeks since he got his best friend sent home from the show. Um, so good to know. Lessons learned there. He kind of pops off a time or two in this episode, which... Is just what he's going to do at this point, I guess. Um, But he immediately feels threatened, both because he's with Priscilla, who was the rookie who kind of forced, you know, pulled the big move, which we're going to talk about that in a minute. We didn't, it's one of the couple things that we're going to go back to episode eight and talk about, but we'll save it for later. But Josh immediately feels threatened. He wants to target Corey. He feels like Corey is targeting him or whoever Josh is thinking that he's aligned with, which I think Josh 
continues to think he's aligned with literally everyone other than now Corey, who he's chosen as the one that's against them. Um, and I don't think he totally understands who does or maybe doesn't have his back. That list of does is, I think, a lot shorter than Josh might at this moment in the game be believing. Um, and then Ashley is also immediately paranoid. And for once, this is totally justified. Sometimes, A lot of times, her paranoia is not justified. I loved the moment of, uh, it happens a little bit later in the episode, but her and Amanda and Josh are immediately after the Daily Challenger in in the bedroom talking and Ashley's kind of freaking out and partially because Josh is trying to tell her that like, I've got you, I'll talk to all the people that want to vote for you, don't worry. And she's like, Josh, I'm worried. I, if you talking to them makes me more worried. Um, but also she's just paranoid and Amanda, her bestie, just sits there and has just a blank look on her face of like, you know, I've done this too many times, girl, like... You go ahead and do what you got to do. I'm just going to be sitting over here and just waiting for you to stop freaking out because I've seen this way too many times and I love you, but I don't need to go through all the emotions with you again and thought that moment was hilarious. Um, But Ashley is paranoid for a good reason because as she states a couple times, sometimes through tears, um, she feels like because now the vets are going for each other, she's immediately going to be targeted as a two-time champion just the same way as she has been for the last two or three seasons that she's been on. Since she got that second title, took that money from Hunter back on Final Reckoning. Ever since then, I think this is her third season, since then the other two she's been put in immediately, right, right away. And all the reason given has been you're a two-time champ and we want champs out. And there was kind of a couple season run there where everything turned to we want new people to win. And this season... She got the pass because they went back to the old school, old school of no, vets stick together. We vote in the rookies until there's no rookies left. But now that vets are going to be coming for each other, Ashley thinks now the that strategy of the last few seasons of champs out first is going to come back into play, targeting her, which she is correct. We do hear uh, later on Corey and Devin do have a little powwow where Corey is just trying to figure out, like, are any of you guys, I'm kind of the name coming up, are any of you guys still cool rocking with me? Can I, um, you know, still be in multiple crews here? And Devin makes it known clear as day, hey, I've got my alliance, but I just want to see someone who's never won win. And that means CT, Ashley, and Amber are the only three people that he's looking at. And Devin, with a lot of control in this game, uh, Corey hears that and says, you know, I have one, been to multiple finals, can't get that W. I'm all with you. I don't want to run against CT. And I don't really care about either of those two women you just named. So I'm in for that. Uh, but before that conversation even happens, we do get the Corey Nelson uh, powwow, which is just strategy at its finest happening between these two. Um, and gotta say, shout out my girl, Michaela. If you might remember way back in episode one, we had brand new rookie Michaela from the survivor world get in trouble for making a list, the list, everything was about the list in episode one. And she did make a list. She did kind of try to draw out like who's with who, who do I like, not like whatever. But it got her thrown into elimination immediately, and she ended up getting sent home and losing that elimination. And everyone made a big, big fuss about, you can't make a list, you can't make a list, no one makes a list. Only Laurel can make a list. She's the only one because everyone's scared of her. Only Laurel, if she was here, could make a list. No one else can make a list. But guess what? 
Nelson and Corey make a list. They've got a notebook. If it doesn't look like they're on page one either, it does not look like this is the first time they have done this little project on the side, this little activity to figure out where everyone lays, but they make a list and they write out and explain out verbally for us, the viewer, there's basically three new alliances within that have broken out from this vets. There is the big brother crew, which is Casey, Josh, Amber, Nani, and Emmanuel. There is Devin's crew, just Devin's crew, which I love the fact that CT is right there, four-time champion, potential GOAT, OG legend, greatest character in reality television history. CT is right there in this group, running things as much as Devin, and yet Devin gets the shout-out as it's his crew, which just speaks volumes of how much power he has in this house. But Devin's crew, Devin, CT, Kyle, Tori, and Emmy, solid five. Then... Corey and Nelson have their own little group, which is Corey and Nelson, Jeremiah, Priscilla, Big T, Bettina, and then the swing folks. There's four people kind of not sure where they stand, at least Corey and Nelson aren't sure where they stand, and we as the viewer pretty much aren't either, and that is Ed and Logan, Amanda and Ashley. So we've got three crews, all with four or five people in it, and then we've got these four or five people on the outside. I'm totally, now that I'm adding all these names up, I'm missing one person somewhere. Sorry to whoever that is. I'm not going to try to figure that out right now in the moment. But those are your three crews. Those are your swing. And they pretty, Corey and Nelson and pretty much everyone else sticks with these are the three groups. And what's odd to me is that Corey and Nelson don't immediately go to Amanda and Ashley and say, we should work together. They both, these are... Um, Somewhat famously, uh, the two, the four of them were all partnered together back on Rivals 3, most of their first season on the show, all three of them other than Corey, who was on Bloodlines right before it. Um, but Amanda and Ashley are kind of floating out here. Yes, Amanda's partnered with Kyle, but we know Kyle's willing to change allegiance wherever he sees the numbers fall. Ashley isn't really partnered with anyone. And yes, Ashley and Nelson had their falling out. Um, on the beginning of this season, but burn is gone one. So if they wanted to rekindle that romance, that showmance, they could have. Um, but also you would think it would mean that no one would see this coming necessarily. They wouldn't see them working together, but all I could think about right in that moment, the minute they're sitting down is like, all right, boom, no problem. You two go get Amanda and Ashley who like Big T and Priscilla by all accounts and Bettina too. And you say, you know, we've got six people here and we had the two of you. We've got eight in a house of 20. That is more than enough. Um, you know, eight out of 18, that would then be voting. All we got to do is get one or two people from one of the other two groups and we're good. They don't do that at all. They just instead decide to target Ashley as that two-time champion, which I'm all for the targeting the champions, the people that you think are going to beat you in a final. But for me, it feels like you should only do that, you know, male to male, female to female, because you're going to potentially be partnered with someone of the opposite sex, and you might want to run that final with a former champion on your side, a someone who is going to be good in that final. So I totally get it when Corey and Nelson and Devin and anyone else says, hey, I cannot run a final against CT. I will lose, because you will. Um, and when some of the women say, I don't want to run against Amber, I don't want to run against Ashley, they are better, they will beat me at this final. I totally get that. But when it goes crossways, I'm kind of thinking it should be almost the other thing where it should be really hard to target the champs because 
you'd want to keep, if I was a female, I'd want to keep the male. I would want CT around because I would want to find a way to him being my partner. And then maybe at the very last minute, I'd say, if I can't get him as my partner, now we need to get him out because whoever he's with will beat me. Um, but anyways, that's that. So those are the teams kind of laid out. Those are the alliances. We go to the daily challenge. Um, and at that daily challenge, everyone's allegiances to some degree are put on the line. We'll talk more in depth about the strategy when we talk through the athletic events uh, a little bit later. But the main one is that Corey is one of the only ones who does any sort of chicanery of trying to help uh, someone else when he gets tackled himself. He tosses a ball to Jeremiah, who literally and figuratively drops the ball for Corey. If Corey's going to put out there that me and Jeremiah are tight like that versus some other vets in the that are tackling him that he could have given the ball to, he throws it to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, wide open. All you got to do, catch the ball, and he doesn't even have to run that fast. He just has to stay upright, which is tricky in the mud, uh, but he just has to stay upright and r- jog over and climb out, and he gets that last ball that Corey just threw him, and instead he literally drops it, he fumbles, he takes one step, falls, and eventually gets tackled and has no chance of getting the ball back, and Corey putting the alliance out on blast like that is all for naught. Corey and Josh then go at it, Afterwards, shit goes down between them. Josh, yeah, I love I love something that Corey does here that I feel like could happen more often than this and never seems to, but they do the little side interview with Josh um, and his partner, who at this point is Priscilla. <laughs> Sorry, all these switching teams and watching both episode eight and nine uh, today. It's a little confusing, but... Josh does his little side interview and he's going off talking the big game that Josh always does to the cameras when no one else is around. And in this time people are around and I feel like it should happen more often that these little to the side of the elimination to the side of the daily challenge when they do the in moment, uh, kind of interviews that others can hear this. And if they wanted to, I don't think a producer is going to say anything if they want to walk over and interrupt. And the reason I know that that's true, at least in the moment is because Corey literally does that. Corey hears his name come out of Josh's mouth a time or two and just walks over and interrupts the whole thing and gets in his face and says, why is my name coming out of your mouth? Take it out. And Josh doesn't have a very good defense. Corey just lets him have it and it will come up in quote of the week. But when Josh tries to say, he just sets Corey up perfectly with a, there's more to this game than one daily challenge. And Corey just comes back with the, yeah, there's a final something you've never been to. So shut the fuck up, bruh. Just, oh, just great. And it's finally shuts Josh up. Um, So Congrats to Corey on winning that little war of the words. He will go one and one in this episode as he will later lose one of those in deliberation, which let's just go all the way to the deliberation because right after the daily challenge, we get some more of sussing out of, you know, who's with who Josh talks to Ashley and Amanda maybe thinks he to himself thinks that he has them kind of in his little big brother crew um Ashley and Amanda don't feel as confident in Josh as we mentioned earlier Ashley then because of her lack of confidence in that crew immediately goes outside and pleads her case to all of Devin's crew who's sitting out on the hill um Devin CT Tori uh and Kyle all four out there so Ashley kind of pleads like you know CT, me and you are going to be targeted. The rest of you guys, you guys are all working together. I like you. Let's, can I be in your group? We get to deliberation and it's a complete and utter mess. Corey has a very strong start, very poor execution in the middle. Start strong, just says, you know, 
I, no one ever in here could ever really say that I've done anyone wrong. I float in this game. I sit back. And I've never done anyone wrong. If I say I'm rocking with you, I've always voted with you. And that will continue moving forward. And I'm not targeting anyone in this room except for Ashley, who it seems like some other people in this room were willing to target. So why don't we all target Ashley? Boom. A good opening, strong first statement. However, the execution from there goes down. Because Ashley obviously defends herself as she should, as she was prepared to do the whole time. And she goes back over and over and over and smartly... While it wasn't the only thing Corey said, Corey mentions that Ashley can't be trusted because she took all that money from Hunter five seasons ago now, six season 32, so five seasons ago. Um, and Ashley very smartly hones in on that key element and makes that the entire conversation of why are you bringing up this thing that I did way back when is the only thing I've ever done and I did it to my worst enemy my rival the person who hated me I hated them and other than that no one could say anything she gives the classic then tell me who I've snaked in the moment putting Corey on the spot with the you know tell you you're making all these accusations back them up let me see the receipts and then immediately they don't have them as Corey didn't and now Ashley looks much better in this situation um so strong start for Corey. poor execution in the middle he lets it Ashley corner him on just talking about this one single thing Nelson which just god bless Nelson love the guy to death but just another perfect Nelson moment where it's happened a few times in the past. It usually always is at a deliberation where somehow, some way he says something somewhere between mildly and all the way fucked up. Um, that also has nothing to do with what's going on at hand and is kind of an insult that is just completely out of left field. And is it really necessary? Classically, I remember, um, on Total Madness, yes, Total Madness, I believe it was, when he went at Kayla and just really said some horrible things for pretty much no reason at all. And then afterwards was like, whoa, why, why did I even bring any of that up? Why did I say any of that? Um, another moment like that, Nelson butts into all of this between Ashley and Corey and says, you know, you want stole that money from our guy Hunter, and then also you made a million dollars, and Amanda, you're over here defending this best friend who only gave you $500 after she won a million dollars. How can you even call her this best friend? And Amanda hilariously comes back with the, well, Corey sacrificed himself, or you sacrificed yourself for Corey, and he didn't even win. So what are you talking about? We find out later, not to bring Aftermath in too much, but we find out Ashley didn't also didn't give Amanda $500 after she wins. And also no one is required to give all of their friends money when they win a million dollars on a game show. So um, completely irrelevant. And Nelson just like goes at it over and over. Like he, he, she only gave you $500. That's not a friend, blah, blah, blah. And just unwarranted, um, unnecessary, doesn't make sense. And seems a little rude somehow mixed in there. Um, so not sure what he was doing, but eventually Devin, the the only one in the room seemingly playing a smart and strategic game cuts through all the bullshit says everyone shut up we only need to know the answer to one thing none of this matters which is very true and says basically paraphrasing but says i just need to know who's on whose team we all just want to know who you we get it you're voting for each other but who are you working with who do you think will vote with you Corey? what did you know when did you know priscilla and jeremiah were going to pick who they picked all of this, and then Priscilla uh, chimes in that she never told Corey anything. 
Devin, which seems to be true, at least from the edit that we saw, and both people have stood by that before they were put on the spot in front of everyone else. So seems to be true. Devin doesn't buy it, though. Um, and so Bettina and Corey eventually get voted in. And they go and they win. They beat Jeremiah and Amber. And we find out after this 90-minute saga of who's on whose side, the vets are finally at each other's throat, all of this, we find out that literally none of it matters. It only mattered for one single episode, and it was Corey and Ashley who had to be the ones that get put on the spot and defend themselves. But at the end of the episode, we get the cliffhanger of when Corey is ready to pick Casey and Bettina is ready to pick CT and shake everything up, shake these alliances up once again, and we get a whole new snow globe to work with next week. We find out from TJ, nope, you can just casually rejoin the group. Tori, you don't have a partner right now. Ed, you don't have a partner right now. That's fine. We'll figure that all out later. Goodbye, good night. And what from that moment and the next time on, it seems to be that this is now going to be a completely individual game moving forward, that these teams won't matter, and that any of these alliances that were made in this long, plot-heavy episode are also not going to matter, and we're going to have to start over a little a little bit from square one. Some of them will matter, but parts of them that are built on, well, I'm partnering with this person, and this person's best friend is this person, so now the four of us are kind of together by default. None of that's going to matter as much anymore. But if this goes full individuals, somehow, some way, we're picking strictly individuals or voting on strictly individuals, everything's going to get shaken up again. So none of this ended up mattering in the end, which is classic challenge. Um, classic TJ, always thrown in a twist at the most inopportune time for our challengers. But that is kind of the whole episode through the, the vet truce being off, these new alliances forming. We've got these three new crews, and now none of it may matter in the end. But one champ did get sent home. Um, so let's go ahead and move into our secondary storylines, the little things we noticed, and talk about a couple other small things from the episode um, that we took note of. Little things that we noticed in this episode, aka the secondary storylines, things that could become a bigger deal in future episodes. One of them, the the one that kind of ties in everything we just talked about and we alluded to multiple times, the champs being targeted, a couple extra brief thoughts on that. It was a part of kind of that main storyline, but um, the champs being targeted uh, is an, an obvious strategy. We, we touched on why we kind of half like it, half don't like it, or think that some people shouldn't necessarily be all into it. But the, the main thing that we didn't say before that I just want to quickly mention because I realized that I did it before is CT and whether or not CT will get targeted because in past seasons it did work once against him on Total Madness when you know Ashley went home early but as did CT um, losing to Jay and that was simply because he was a champion and that was I think maybe the first of the two back-to-back it was really just Total Madness and Double Agents um, before then it was kind of bananas and CT would, you know, get, get picked on, but not necessarily just because they were champions because they were who they were. And total madness and double agents were definitely the seasons where it was like, all right, champions are targeted from day one. We get all the champions out, new people win, but will CT get targeted? He kind of, he was mentioned, but every time that they, the couple times it was mentioned, like we want to go for champions. It was only Devin and Corey who explicitly said, we got to get CT out. We can't run a final against CT. And no one else really mentioned it. And it's going to be very interesting to know every if everyone starts saying that 
And if even those like Devin who are working closely with CT start saying, we have to get CT out, are they going to wait to do it? Who are they going to put against him to do it? Or is this going to be a thing where they strictly say he can never be the house vote because we don't want to piss him off. He has to be the whatever the new uh, agency is, has to go down and see what the game is and decide this is something CT could maybe lose and put him in that way. But I get the feeling that this is just going to be let's get Ashley out and use the excuse that she's a champion And then we kind of are all scared to ever vote for CT. And as we'll talk about in the predictions later, we've talked about in predictions the whole season long, CT is going to win this season. That is not some spoiler that I know. That is just a deep-seated feeling that I have that I am fully confident he's going to win. Um, But just wanted to add that little note on CT of whether he will get targeted. Also, the, the whole targeting the champs thing does illuminate the fact that there is only the three champions in the house at all. And we haven't... I don't I don't think we've eliminated any up to it's all been all rookies plus Anissa and Fessy and Nam who have gone home on the vet side from injury DQ and none of them have won before so only three champions came into this season one of them has now gone Amber Ashley seems a very likely going to be a soon to be target again so interesting there another uh little thing that we noticed that we've noticed a few episodes in a row and we've talked about a few times before but very specifically on the rookie front and in the whole game in particular, Logan and Ed are looking stronger and stronger and better equipped by the week to not just make a final, but potentially win and be a rookie champion themselves the same way Amber was last season. Logan in particular gets another uh, daily win, his second of the season. And there was an interesting thing a few weeks, maybe three or four weeks ago now, um, there was, uh, I think his name's Matt Smith. It was a very, very basic name. But producer, was the executive producer of this season. Been a producer in the field and part of the production ca- uh, crew for a long time on the challenge. Was on the challenge podcast, the official challenge podcast with Anissa and Tori. And one of the things he mentioned um, was that from his perspective, having you know literally been in, been a part of the casting from time to time, been a part of the production for dozens of seasons now, uh, that he thought Logan, his first impression of some of the rookies coming in was that Logan had a great chance of doing really well in this game because of his background in surfing and yoga in particular. And that long, lanky guys into climbing, surfing, and yoga, I think were the three things that he said, the activities that no one totally pays attention to when you know when it's the big football guy coming in, everyone's like, "Oh my God, Kells, look how big you are!" And if we, if you ever get the one hall brawl of the season, you'll win that elimination. And everyone, myself included, kind of falls for that to be they're now this big, big threat in the game physically. Um, but he kind of explained that over the history of the show, it's very much proven that when they've casted people that have any sort of climbing, surfing, or yoga background with that kind of core strength, that sh- all around strength. And that in, that endurance type of strength, the long lanky folks, they have done the best. And I agreed with that. I never really thought through it that way. When I heard that, I agreed with it. And he was saying it about Logan. And I've been watching Logan a little more closely because of that and that elimination he won and both of the daily challenges he's, he's won. He's really been impressing. He was very impressive in this episode with a very physical elimination where you think, oh, it's just mud wrestling. Like, who are the big, big, bad guys? But it's also, 
Who can high step through that mud? Who has the endurance? Who can hold on to the ball and get tackled and sit there and not get exhausted, not gas out and just have to drop the ball? A lot of other factors going into it. That wrestling, that core strength comes in, all of it, that grip strength, climbing comes into it, everything like that. Logan, very, very impressive. And Ed, I've talked at length on this podcast. I love, love, love Ed, but looks very good in that physical daily challenge again as well. And also seems to be because of how just fun he seems to be around. This has come through from many, many challengers over the years on their own podcasts, their Patreons, whatever, is become a common refrain of the best thing a rookie or a newer player in the game can do is be a great time and a great hang in the house because that house is a world of its own to live in. And when someone brings really good energy and is really good time and is really fun, it is why Kyle is a great example, has made it as far as he's made it, especially on some of his earliest seasons, was likely just because everyone liked having him around and they didn't want to get rid of him in the house because they were already struggling so much mentally and living in the type of isolation they do. And I think Ed has a bunch of that to him and also he has a bunch on the physical side and just does a great, great job in the daily challenge there. So shout out to Logan and Ed. They're looking very tough. They're looking like folks that not only could now make a final as a rookie, but maybe even compete to win. We'll talk about power rankings at the end and see where they fall. Final, uh, the other little thing we noticed, two more. Priscilla edit is real. This is the third episode in a row now, really the fourth, because I didn't do episode eight, the fourth in a row that the Priscilla edit is a real thing. Uh, she started out the first three or four episodes. We basically didn't see her at all. And then she started coming on strong, getting a lot of interview clips. Um, and I know everyone else calls them confessionals, and I never can remember the word confessional in the moment. So interviews, confessionals, all the same thing. Um, but uh, she started to get a bunch of them while not being a part of the storyline. Last week, episode eight, obviously she was the biggest part of the storyline, so she had a bunch, but she had a bunch again. This episode is just being edited in a way that makes me think she's around for the long haul, um, and that is really the one kind of editing thing that stood out again this episode, and it has stood out many episodes in a row, and because we're talking about Priscilla, quick, the one only note I want to make on episode eight that we did not get to recap, I promise this is the only one, but I do want to backtrack just for a second and say, and it came up in this episode too, that everyone, all the other challengers and everyone seemingly online and in the in the podcast realm, in the, the media realm, write-ups, everything about the show, keep saying over and over how this big, big move Priscilla made, the huge move, just absolute incredible big move changed the whole game by simply picking Josh as a partner, which... None of this, I'm about to say, is none of this is a critique on Priscilla at all. This is a critique on the reaction to what Priscilla did. I love Priscilla so far, and I think I, she made the right move and the smart move by being the first rookie, her and Jeremiah, let's give both of them some credit, of realizing, hey, every single week, they not, they not only put in all rookies, but they talk the rookie winner into picking a team that sets up another rookie rookie team. We can't do that. So we have to either pick Josh and Ashley or Kyle and Amanda. Now, my note of one, why for everyone's, it was the biggest move ever. It was such a big move. 
I get that you have to kind of hype the, the challengers themselves have to hyperbolize things and talk about everything like that. We out here just talking about the show in the general challenge media sphere, we do not. And uh, it was the smart move and it took way too long for someone to finally do it. And Priscilla and Jeremiah were the ones smart enough to finally do it. And she had a nice little speech and to get back at Ashley for what Ashley had said. But let's let's not overblow what it was. It was just the smart kind of regular move that needed to happen. Um, but the other thing with it is I personally don't think it was the correct decision um, by Priscilla in who she picked. I think she should have picked Kyle. There was two options there, Kyle or Josh, both with a female vet partner and would have led to the, you know, no rookie rookie pairs. And I just, I don't know, Kyle's track record just speaks for itself when compared to Josh. Kyle's a lot better. I would have picked him even if you think Josh has some ties or whatever, but it seemed like the major- that decision was basically just, I've got these two teams, Ashley threw this thread out, I wanna throw it right back in her face, I wanna take her partner, but it then puts Ashley with Ed, who I think is really, really good, um, and so I would've left Ashley with Josh and taken Kyle myself, but whatever, That's that was my only note from episode eight, Love Priscilla, love that her and Jeremiah did that. And again, the Priscilla edit is real. The last little thing we noticed from this episode was they're definitely starting to tease out the Tori Emanuel romance. We're gonna get a romance. There's no way we don't. Um, This is, I think, the third episode in a row in the most explicit of them where we've got the one little moment of the Tori and Emanuel maybe have some eyes for each other, both of which, it should be said, had eyes for others. Earlier on this season, Manuel even saying, going as far as that he loved Michelle. He was in love with Michelle, uh, cuddling and making out with Michelle. Tori and Kells had a brief little, maybe we will, maybe we won't, before Kells got sent home and then they couldn't. Um, but those two have eyes for each other. We get the the fun. Uh, everyone goes skinny dipping in the pool. Manuel playfully kind of falls, fake falls in the pool. But they say explicitly in the confessional interview segments that they're, they like each other, that they think each other are cute, they're into each other. Emmanuel going for the full vampire uh, thing, it should also be said. But expect those two. They wouldn't keep giving us these little nuggets if we didn't eventually get some payoff of those two, a little bit of romance, which could also lead to an interesting shakeup of alliances. If those two get romantic and then maybe want to work together in the game, Manuel very much with Casey and Josh and the big brother thing from day one, just by being Casey's partner, Tori very much in Devin's crew, those two crews going against each other, maybe a Manuel or Tori could be a swing vote going the other way. So those are a bunch of little things we noticed. Now let's get into the daily challenge and the elimination, the athletic events. This is a sport after all. This is the fifth major sport. So we've got to talk about the sporting events. Let's do so now. Daily challenge first. Uh, first episode in a couple weeks that we've had a daily and an elimination now that we're back on that regular schedule, which is actually just me making a mistake. We had that in episode eight. I just didn't do a recap. So for me personally, the first podcast in a while that we have been able to talk about two athletic events in the same thing. Again, I watched both episode eight and nine uh, and both aftermaths today. So a lot of challenge content ringing around in my brain. Anyways, the daily challenge from episode nine. Um, First thing's got to be said about it is this is a 10 out of 10. Loved it. Classic challenge stuff right here. These are the types of dailies we love. Uh, Has many of the elements. One, they're all down in their skimpies, in their bathing suits, which is always 
fun and seems is just a classic challenge thing at this point. Uh, it was one of the one of the many traditions that has held true throughout all of this game, all of the different eras, the the all the changes that have been made to the challenge. One has never changed, and that is the more often they can make these people wear barely any clothing during a daily challenge, the more they do it. Um, and we got mud wrestling. Some form of mud wrestling always makes a great daily challenge. And we just get a really good uh, one that involves a lot of strategy, a lot of teamwork amongst teams, a lot of let's put everyone's cards on the table and see who people are working with. So just all around, loved everything about this challenge. 10 out of 10 daily challenge. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Now, we reference strategy. Let's talk strategy here. Um, there could, there was a lot of strategic ways to go about this challenge. And the only one that anyone seemed to pick up on, and they admittedly did right away, so credit to all of them. I had in my notes, uh, I think it was Casey maybe was the very, Casey and Nani maybe were the very first to figure it out, but then everyone kind of followed suit of go into the middle, whoever's in there first, get find all four of your balls and throw them over near where you climb in and out so that you don't have to keep running all the way in the middle. You can just run up and down. And everyone got that portion of the strategy Nailed it. Great. The part that seemingly everyone missed, or maybe I don't, maybe they were told they're not allowed. Yet again, with the daily and with the elimination, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, the rules weren't 100% clear, or we just weren't given privy to all of the rules that may have been in place. But it didn't seem like anyone messed with anyone else's balls, which I would have thought would have been the, uh, the main strategy going in. I would have thought there would have been some sort of hey, the three of us are working together. We just don't want this part, excuse me, this particular team to win. And so we're going to go in and they're orange. So get find all the orange ones and throw all the orange ones to the other side. And anytime you come near an orange one, pick it up, carry it with you. And when Ashley or whoever it is we're targeting comes at you, throw it to the other side of the pit. I would have thought there would have been a lot of that um, in games of this kind of nature in the past. There certainly would be that kind of chicanery of, you know, if you find your allies, toss it to them. If you find your enemy, toss it away. If you find yours, grab it and go. Um, but there wasn't. And there was literally to the degree of I assume maybe there was a rule that you weren't allowed to touch anyone else's ball because it very much seemed like we would have at least got one offhand like, Someone rides into the middle, picks up a ball. It's not mine, just throws it over the head, throws it really far. It seemed like they literally were all kind of almost nervous to to break some rule that we didn't know existed at home. So I'm guessing that. But if it wasn't a rule and just everyone chose to be that cordial about it, then come on, folks. You're better than that. So, And I know they're better than that, which is why, again, I think we there may have been a rule that we didn't know about. Um Best hits, uh, two two little sub awards. We'll do full awards for the show later, but awards for this particular daily challenge. Best hit award, um, three nominees. CT absolutely plants Ed uh, early in the proceedings, and uh, definitely just loved seeing. You know, CT hasn't made mention of it. Most of them really haven't made mention of it since the moment he came into the game, but. Ed's got a, sh- a shorter guy for sure, which he hilariously plays off well often. Um, but a stack dude, and as we just talked about a few minutes ago, definitely someone to be reckoned with in this game. And I think CT might know that and might sense that a little. And it, Ed kind of had a ball when CT did this to him, but 
Uh, seemed more like CT just wanted to make a quick point of like, yo, I'm way bigger than you still. I'm way bigger than everyone. And I just got to make sure in this mud wrestling, I'm CT. I got to, I got to throw someone down. I got to lay a big hit just to let everyone know. Still got it. This, that dad bod's gone. I'm shredded up again and just want everyone to know. So he plants Ed. That's awesome. Casey also absolutely slams Amber, but slams Amber on top of herself. Amber, uh, climbs, you know, gets the ball, runs over, is about to climb out, and Casey's like, nope, 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 not today, my friend, and runs over and definitely relishes the chance to get Amber, who she's had this odd relationship with where Amber always just claims, like, I'm working with Big Brother, I'm working with Casey, we're such good friends, and Casey's response every single time has been, Amber's fine, I'm not necessarily working with her, I'm not working against her, other friends of mine seem to not like her, I don't know, but all of that is great. Uh, Casey absolutely slams her down, but accidentally slams her on top of herself, which we'll come back to in a moment. The third and final one is Corey. I don't know who it was. I need to rewind the footage and kind of investigate a little further. But there is a moment where Corey absolutely spears and tackles someone in the middle of the mud, uh, kind of for no reason, potentially. But he gets a huge hit. Casey gets a huge hit. CT gets a huge hit. All of them were great. The funniest moments of this challenge, anytime mud wrestling involves some funny, is also out there and available. First one, Devin, um, his quote, that won't come up in quote of the weeks, although it potentially could have. When things get physical, I get the hell out of the mud pit. Love the honesty from Devin. Love my guy. Um, Josh, also hilarious. Just two different times. He got a ball. He was open. And he just immediately falls. <laughs> and again, it did look very difficult to move through this mud, um, but just hilarious that both times he got a ball with any sort of advantage, just kind of falls and then complains a bunch about everyone tackling him and being on top of him when like, yeah, that's that's what's happening, man. Like if you're the one with the ball and five of you need it, everyone tackles you. Uh, that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, and then Amber landing on Casey and then very smartly and strategically realizing, all right, this chick just tackled me. I lost the ball. The person picked it up. I'm not too, I'm okay with them winning instead of me or winning this round, making it to the next round instead of me. So I'm just going to sit here on top of Casey and I'm going to straddle her and hold her down on the ground as defense. And then has the nice little comment about it of, sorry, Nani, didn't mean to straddle your girlfriend there. Loved everything about that. So a lot of funny moments, some big hits, some good strategy, some maybe unknown rules, a 10 out of 10 daily challenge. Loved every bit of it. Absolutely crushed it. Challenge producers. In the elimination, then, uh, the second of our two athletic events, sporting events, if you will. Uh, Before I even talk about the actual elimination, I just got to say a quick note on eliminations in general. The partner ones are, have got to be, I assume, um, I'm, you know, obviously not a producer on the show as much as I would love to be coming up with these games, but the partner eliminations are way harder to come up with than the solo ones and way harder to kind of make good than the solo ones to actually make them real partners you rely on each other have to work together types of eliminations and not turn it into something where like one of you can do the puzzle or you know they're only one of you is really doing something super duper physical it just feels like they're way harder to come up with and that I say that to say that I really really enjoyed the one they came up with for this one I would say it's about an eight out of ten um a really good score a really good 
elimination, one word, they did have to really, really work together, had to be a team, had to communicate, and this was on both partners equally and not, you know, one couldn't really take the reins. Yes, at the end on the puzzle portion, that could happen, but you're not, you're not, unless you make both of them solve, independently solve a puzzle, then, you know, they're never going to take that out of it. Um, It also is one that takes a long time um, and offers the ability for big comebacks to happen, which turned out worked great in the producer's favor on this one, whether they thought through that or not, but certainly one where, you know, exactly what we saw happen could happen where one team gets a big lead, but isn't a good enough strategy to be able to make all the trips they got to make. And if someone else could get a strategy later on and start to knock them out really quick. So loved everything for the most part about this elimination thought it was a really really good partner elimination a really good match of a lot of physical with a little puzzle at the end but they had to do it together they had to work together everything about it really really good so eight out of ten score on the elimination from me um as referenced with the daily challenge the rules as usual are not always it's not that they're not always explained it's that um, they're not always told to the audience. We assume, or we kind of know, um, that, you know, TJ explaining the game the, in his quick fashion to us is for my, us, the audience. After that, there is something we don't see where the producers actually walk the people playing and the contest, the, uh, the rest of the challenge cast up on the stage through like what actually is allowed and not allowed, how it all exactly works. They get them, you know, rung up and everything. So, I'm sure the more rules were said, and again, I just think we don't know the rules because, for instance, both of them seem to be 100% on, like, we have to stand facing each other and holding on to each other, and that is the only way we're allowed to cross this beam because they never try. What if we stood front to back and each put a foot on either side of this beam? Um, what if we sat down and scooted across? Obviously, it seems like there's no way those those types of things were allowed um, or at least we assume not because as many times as these guys and gals fell off of this thing, um, you'd think at some point they'd say, I don't care how long it takes. What if we both sit down and scoot across with a couple of these things in our lap? Um, you know, and they didn't try anything like that. So they only ever tried. We have to stand facing each other on either side of this diagonal or this, you know, triangular shaped beam. Um and so rules, as usual, classic challenge are not, not fully explained to the audience, but that's all right. Now, the strategy of this game, uh, neither team gets it right. Um, and I may be wrong. Who knows? You know, I'm always just, you know, uh, QB on the couch here, Monday morning quarterbacking it, just watching it and saying that they didn't do it correct. But um, in this, I don't have experience necessarily in the, in the challenge world or in this game, but I have done some different tough mudders and mud runs and things like that, where this type of, uh, contraption is a very common obstacle on some of those. So I think three different times I've actually gone across a beam of this nature that, you know, the triangular shaped beam where you have to hold on to a partner and get across. So I have actually done this before in the strategy that none of them come up with in that you realize for a game like this after doing it a time or two is they all try to pull against each other. They all, they hold hands and they lean back and they try to balance each other while both technically pulling each other towards themselves. You got to do the opposite of that. You have to take as much of your weight 
off of it as possible. When you're leaning back and pulling on each other, you have 100% of your weight. And for something like Jeremiah and Amber, she mentions early on, Jeremiah weighs twice as much as me. And so this is really, really difficult to get find the balance between those two way different weights. What you actually have to do is you have to lean into each other and push against and not pull away. It's hard on the ankles and the in the feet to bend in that direction, but you've got to stand with your kind of calves in a permanent stretch position and lean forward as much as you can into each other and hold each other tight. Like I would have my first time going across this, I would have borderline bear hugged my opponent because if you lean forward and you try to stand upright and lean forward, you're reducing your weight in a big way. And now you are pushing against each other instead of pulling apart, but you're pushing against each other using much more of your own balance and taking a lot of your weight out of it. Neither of them tried that. Um, and I can tell you again from experience, it definitely works. It's equally as hard. Not, it's not like it just suddenly becomes easy and you go waltz right across this thing. It is very hard no matter how you do it. So props to all four people for even getting across it all in any manner. Um, Corey and Bettina do get closer to this strategy at the end in uh, in getting, let's instead of full arm extension, let's get the elbows locked at 90 degrees and our arms crossed and be a little bit more of one weighted unit and hold each other a little closer and a little more upright. So they got a lot closer and it definitely worked for them in the end. Um, Jeremiah and Amber's strategy, uh, while complimentary of both of them, um, especially Jeremiah, because they just come up with a strategy and I can't believe it worked as many times as it did. I believe that it eventually failed and couldn't hold up because of how physically demanding it was. But basically just Amber, you just completely drop, just keep your feet on and Jeremiah, I'll stand straight upright and just literally hold you up. And I'll walk across by holding you up the whole time. Um, Which again, can't believe that they were pulled it off two or three or four times maybe. Um, But incredibly, incredibly difficult on, on both their parts, but especially Jeremiah's part to literally hold Amber up essentially. Um, And Amber just while she's dangling there from him, use her chin and her shoulders to kind of hold the pieces under under her chin and on her arms. Um, but definitely, as Devin points out, wasn't going to hold up. That's horrible on the back for Jeremiah, just horribly difficult in general. Just, just if this was on flat ground and you said, Jeremiah, you have to two-hand hold Amber straight out in front of you off of the ground and walk to the side and be like, that's incredibly difficult. I can maybe pull that off once. Like, and that's only because Jeremiah seems to be a very strong individual. Um, so on that platform, not going to happen. Um, so that's some kind of poor strategy all around, uh, would, as with every single elimination ever, I would love to know how long this took. There was a couple references to this. Maybe took a very, very, very like hours, very long time. Um, would love to know, would love to get that kind of info. Maybe that's next season's aftermath when they, you know, instead of now they had the vote, they have the vote thing this season, maybe next season it can be now we tell you how long or get the unedited all 22 film of the elimination. Maybe they can add that in. Um, but uh, not great strategy, fun challenge. Loved that the puzzle at the end was the cutthroat logo or what seemed to be pretty much an exact replica of that, the kind of contagion-esque chemical-esque cutthroat logo from back season 20 of cutthroat classic season of the show 
So love the puzzle, love that Corey was smart enough, thought actually, I guess to go back to the beginning, uh, Jeremiah and Amber went into this with the good energy and the positive attitude and I loved everything about that. It's one of my biggest compliments for Jeremiah and why I thought he and Priscilla did so well uh, a week ago in episode eight is that they came into it with this great attitude of you know being confident, having fun, doing their little dances and just kind of let not letting the stress and the pressure of it get to them. Um, thought Corey on this one, bad strategy going in of just saying right at the start, being like, Bettina, you're going to get that puzzle, right? I'm not going to do anything. And then Bettina being like, I'm good at math, not puzzles. And just the energy between that is not, not what you want when you're going into an elimination where it's kind of a toss up. It's something, you know, no one has any sort of background in. It's not, you know, a pole wrestler hall brawl where it's like, all right, who's bigger and stronger and tougher, whatever. It's a total, like, this is a random made up game and who knows who's going to be good at it. You got to have those positive vibes, that positive energy going in. So I was actually initially like, oh, Amber and Jeremiah got this. Like the moment I saw those little interviews right beforehand, I thought it was over. Um, Corey and Bettina proved me wrong. Bettina rocks the puzzle very, very quickly. And Corey smartly, even if it's a lot of pressure, does just step back and say, I'm not touching this puzzle. I know where my strengths are. This is not one of them. Bettina, you got this. Gives her a moment to shine and shine she does. So they get the win. A good elimination, a good daily challenge, good sporting events all around on this episode. And with that, let's then move into some awards. Let's hand out some awards for this long plot heavy episode. There still was plenty to award and plenty to talk about. So let's finish it out with some awards and power rankings and predictions before moving into next week's episode. As always, we are going to do five awards here before our power rankings that's best strategy worst strategy best quote best moment and an mvp of the episode we start on the strategy side with the positive best strategy three nominees here first one logan um for the mid game of the daily challenge not just the fact that he was smart enough as a rookie to realize the situation they were in it was down to the final three teams one ball for the win and logan nelson and ed were in there fighting over it and logan immediately realizes which is uh, a move that most of the veterans don't even always pull off or do very well and he as a rookie immediately knows there's power to be had right here, right now, whether I win or not, and let's cut a deal between these three teams and let's get myself safe. But it's not just that he makes the deal, but it's how he goes about it, how quickly he realizes the put the pressure on the deal. He he has the ball in his hands and says, let me win. If you do, you're both safe. And both of them are like, ah, but how about I win? And you are both safe. And Logan immediately, very smartly says, he realizes Ed is on board kind of right away and that Nelson's not. And so he looks right at Nelson and says, you let me win, you're safe. If you don't, you're not. Pick right now. Decide right now. You don't get you don't get to think this through. You're either safe or you're not safe. You decide by either letting go or not letting go of me. Puts Nelson on the spot. Nelson responds in, yeah, I guess it, it worked out because Logan, as we'll get to in quotes, sticks with this promise and believes you have to stand by your promises. So Nelson makes the smart move and says, all right, I'll let go of you. I'll tackle Ed. There you go. I really want to show my loyalty, even though Ed's not trying to tackle you anymore. I will tackle Ed just for the show of loyalty to you, Logan. Go ahead and win. So great strategy 
from Logan in that moment, not just to think of making the deal, but to how he executed and applying the pressure. That was fantastic. Nominee number two for best strategy, Devin, for in deliberation, one, just saving all of us from any more back and forth between Corey and Ashley and Nelson out of nowhere on her taking the money from Hunter. We don't need to relive that right now, um, but cutting through that bullshit and ending it, but also doing so with the explicit purpose of we don't care. No one in this room cares about any of this. We do care about one specific thing. Who are you working with? Who knew what, when, what is the important information for all of us to actually assess the alliances and make a smart vote? So Devin, uh, being that kind of not just narrator of the game to us through the confessionals, but also in the moment clearly has the most power of anyone in the house. Everyone respects him, and he is kind of looked at as the one who can do this sort of thing and say, hey, everyone shut up. Here's what we need to know. Here's the people that need to talk about these specific things. Now you can talk and kind of take the reins. So good strategy from him and just another clear show of where he stands strategically and politically in this particular game. And then third and final nominee is a pair nominee in a second nomination kind of for Logan and Nani together picking Jeremiah and Amber. And a quick side note, shout out to Logan as well as for his comment of I'm not thinking about the final the way everyone else is. I'm thinking about today, today, today. That is smart. That is the way to be playing this, especially as a rookie whose allegiances could get flipped on its head at any moment, um, not having the strength of those ties that some of the vets do. But Nani and Logan, I thought they made very, very smart picks of one, Jeremiah and Amber, the two of them being a couple and putting a couple in there together is always uh, interesting and fun from an audience perspective and also from a perspective of, hey, if we're throwing you guys in, maybe you'll be a little less angry at us if we put you in you know, with, uh, with the person you're cuddling up with in the house that you have a good connection with that you could potentially perform well with in the challenge, but also just... Jeremiah had just got thrown in. He was willing to some degree to go back in again. And Amber taking that first shot, it didn't, they could have picked rookie rookie. And instead, Nani realizing most of the house on the female side both wants to get rid of Amber and Ashley for them might beat them, but also a lot of them seem to maybe be not so high on Amber just in the house, socially, whatever. And taking that calculated and smart shot to looking down and seeing a confusing, we don't know what this elimination is, no one has an advantage, this could be a time to get her out of the game, but also clarifying that at and doing a very good job of when we say your name in the layer, I am going to just quickly say, I love you, you whooped my ass last season in the final, and that for that single reason has nothing personal to do, but you whooped my ass, so I gotta send you in there and kinda deflecting blame and making the very obvious, telling the truth, Honesty is always the way to go in those and kind of laughing with it, being friendly with it. So Nani and Logan, good choices. Overall best strategy, I've got to go with Logan. He's a two-time nominee here. He did a lot of great um, good picks with him and Nani. Great mid-game, by er earned that power and then used it wisely, um, whether he was always going to keep his promise to Ed and Nelson or not, knowing um, that you know neither of them we're on the chopping block anyways, which was actually interesting that Ed was, Ed was attached to Ashley. So in deliberation, when Logan tells him like, you guys are good, uh, Ed wasn't good, but from his perspective, he was. So Logan, best strategy. Now let's talk worst strategy, two nominees. And man, 
if they don't all all returning nominees to the worst strategy category one Corey and Nelson together the only thing you have on Ashley is that she took money from Hunter and then Nelson has again that egregious comment that we talked about where he just dives in and in and in and you only gave your best friend $500 after you won a million none of it was warranted none of it was needed uh it was just bad all around and if you're going to target Ashley you had they framed it others framed it or tried to as she's a champion and we want to get the champions out we think she's gonna win i don't know why they didn't frame it like that i don't know why their only thing is ashley's a snake she took that money from hunter way back when it didn't seem like you cared about that when you were hooking up with her nelson for a long long time on and off the show so just bad all around from both of them and from their little strategy meeting. It wasn't mentioned, but another just amazing Nelson moment as Corey's making his little list and trying to talk, have a dialogue with Nelson back and forth of who's on whose side, whatnot. Nelson just kind of leans back and just without any other words around on either side of it, just says spies, lies, and allies, man. (laughs) It just, that's it. Uh, It was hilarious, but not great strategy from either of them. The other nominee I mean, we can just we can write his name in this segment in permanent ink at this point because it's every week, Josh, because always you're not talking about anyone out of anything. And that's why Ashley doesn't care if you're trying to help her. That moment in the bedroom where he's like, Ashley starts to freak out. He's like, no, 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 I got you. I'll talk to both of them. Don't worry. Like, I've got this. And she's just like, no, you don't. You just don't. And that's why I'm crying and worried because I don't want you to talk to him on my behalf because you don't have it. Um he, he clearly thinks that he's on the good side of everyone in the house. And I think at some point very soon, we're going to find out that he's maybe not um, in the way that he thinks that he is. And the blow up with Corey was unnecessary and unneeded at the daily. And just as the one clearly of the group of vets, some of them just sat back and were like, we'll let the cards fall where they do and see where we stand. A few others took the lead on, we will form these new teams. We will be the vocal ones. And Josh was the one of that group with Corey and Ashley and, you know, Devin and CT are pulling some strings over there that thinks he has a bunch of power and tries to use that power. And it's it's not really working. Not really, not really working for you, my guy, Josh. So worst strategy, Corey Nelson, Josh. I'm going to just say all three of them win. I want to give it to Josh, um, but I really want to give it to Nelson for the unnecessary comments and the deliberations. We're going to give it to all three of them. On to best quote. We've got six nominees in what I was surprised at the end to have six that I had written down. It seemed like because it was such a plot-heavy episode that there wasn't a lot of, there was just a lot of narration going on in the confessional room and not so much funny, quirky quotes. Um, but we did find six of them, some of them from the confessional, some of them from outside the confessional room. First one, Corey at the beginning of the episode announcing the beginning of the war, half confessional, half not. But let's take it to Corey letting the war begin. Take it away, Corey. Like we said, now it's time to clock in. Yeah. All the vets can walk around here like we're one big happy family. But it is now time to get your troops together and be ready because it's about to get ugly. Then we get to the actual, the daily challenge and in the little pregame, everyone's getting hyped up. They know it's a physical. They know they get to do a little mud wrestling and Casey, who's partnered with Emmanuel and we know Emmanuel out here willing to drink some blood for victory um, or retribution. But uh, we, we finally, we start, we get a little moment of Casey showing some real emotion and also 
kind of getting a little scary with how seriously she mentions that heads are going to come off in the elimination, so or in the daily. So let's hear that one from Casey. I think we're going to kick off. If anyone gets in our way, it's game over, for real. Kill bodies. All the bodies. Heads are coming off today. Let's go! <laughs> Again, a little... Uh, Great, great quote. A little more serious, maybe just a little more serious than uh, you you kind of think. It makes you makes you kind of nervous for everyone else in that mud pit with Casey and Manuel. Then we've got Corey. Second time he's nominated. Um, he just has an evisceration of Josh afterwards. Again, Corey wins the War of the Words with Josh right after the day of the challenge, loses the War of the Words with Ashley in the deliberation, but he wins the one with Josh with a just dagger. Of a quote, Josh brings up there's more to this game than this one challenge, and Corey comes right back at him, knowing that there is another big part of this game and that Corey's experienced it and Josh has not. So let's hear that dagger and end of the conversation, end of the argument between Corey and Josh. So we're down there right now. I don't give a no. me too. Stop we, we, want to go we could go down. We could go down. There's a lot more than just a mud pit in this competition, too. I know. It's a final, something you ain't been to, so shut up, bro. Ugh, something you haven't been to, so shut the F up. Oh, man, so good from Corey there, and uh, as he should, Josh immediately stops talking at that moment. Then we've got nominee number four, Ashley, uh, knowing that others are politicking against her, letting it be known that she, too, is a trained politician. So take it away, Ashley. I've heard rumors that Corey's politicking to get me voted in as the headquarters vote. Well... Payback's a bitch. I'm a politician, baby. So I Nominee number five then comes to us from Logan, who referenced earlier, makes the promise to Ed and to Nelson and opens the deliberation by letting it be known he's not only going to keep that promise, but there's a reason, because if you don't, you kind of suck. So let's hear that straight from Logan himself. Okay, I made a promise to two agents here, Mr. Ed and Mr. Nelson, you are safe, completely safe. It's very important to keep your promises. If not, you are a piece of <laughs> in my opinion, so you can relax. And then the sixth and final nominee, which I'm also just going to say right now, is the winner, the quote of the week. And uh, we've actually said this ourselves about Kyle a couple times on this season. And now Kyle says it explicitly about himself right after deliberation. He and Corey seemingly just needs to get a little steam off and just... Kyle's the first one that talks in any way, so Corey and him kind of have some words back and forth, and Corey calls Kyle a snake, and Kyle is sick of being called a snake. So here is your quote of the week from Kyle. As always, Kyle delivering in the confessionals. Take it away, Kyle. I have no loyalty to Corey, and I don't give a about him going into the lair. I'm sick of being treated like a snake because at the end of the day, everyone in here is a snake. Everyone lies. I just admit it. Shots fired. Truer words haven't really been spoken on this season, at least, of the game. Because all of them are snakes. And we agree with you, Kyle. It's nice that you are outwardly, you know, you're, you're totally out in being a snake. You let everyone know it. It's okay. You show your true colors. You're maybe the most honest player in the game by being so honest about your dishonesty. And we appreciate the quote. As always, great stuff there. Now let's move to the best moment of the episode. Three nominees for the best moment. All of them very small moments, but were just amazing, and I loved every bit of them. The first one was uh, 
Oops, scrolled too far there. The first one is Emmanuel. Um, there's a group yoga session going on, five, six people going uh, doing yoga, notably among them Tori, who it seems like maybe Manuel's just kind of staring at and watching and trying to pull the same thing he did with Michelle back and just saying, she's pretty, I'm in love with her, I'm going to stare at her and talk about how pretty and in love with her I am until one day maybe she will notice me. <laughs> um, but Emmanuel not participating in the yoga necessarily. He's over sitting on a chair eating cereal and decides he should be participating and manages to put the bowl of cereal on his head, put his leg behind his head, and then continue to pick the cereal out of the bowl and feed himself while doing some of the yoga in the chair. It's hilarious. It's so cute. It's it, it's just great all around. It's also very impressive physically, the balance and the leg behind that, all of it. Um, definitely a dancer, that one. So that is one moment nominee for best moment. The second one is Ed, my guy Ed. <laughs> talking to himself in the mirror and we in the the editors and the producers did a perfect perfect seamlessly mixing this in of we get a string of little one-on-one or two three-person powwows of debating strategy and alliances and everything and right in the middle of them they cut from Corey and nelson to ed and it's a close-up ed is standing leaning with the pool stick and you think he's talking to someone, uh, you know, playing a game of pool and talking game with someone, and he ends up just being there talking to himself in a mirror, and it's hilarious, and it's well played by him, and it's well played by the editors of mixing it in amongst all these other little strategy talks of no one will talk to Ed, so Ed talks to himself. It's hilarious. Loved it. Love Ed. And third and final one is Bettina feeling herself right after the elimination win. She gives a little kind of twirl, half twirl, a little hair flick, and deserves every bit of it. Mentions, you know, people are looking at me as the weakest uh, female left, and I'm proving them wrong one elimination at a time here. She's feeling herself. It's awesome. And as we said a couple weeks ago, we haven't seen a lot of Bettina, but literally every single time she's been on the screen, which has been like six or seven times, um, she has made a smile or laugh or both. She's been a great presence, and she was in that moment as well. So her celebration of the elimination win, very deserved, feeling herself, loved that little moment. So Manuel eating cereal while doing yoga, Ed talking to himself in the meal, mere Bettina feeling herself after the elimination. Those are your three nominees for the moment of the week. And I'm a bit biased at this point, but Ed gets the win for the moment of the week. I just love everything about this guy, and I'm glad they're finding little ways to mix in just some great ad content, even when it doesn't necessarily 100% fit with what's going on in the story. And that leads us to the MVP of the episode. Four nominees, one winner. Ed is the one nominee that, again, is totally biased just from having that moment, doing well in the daily challenge, and just by, without us witnessing it, as we mentioned earlier, clearly asserting himself as just a fun presence in the house, which is helping him be a little bit more safe on the alliances and strategy side. Um, we need more Ed. He's nominee, uh, gets a couple votes, not a lot, but a, at least a vote or two coming in on some ballots for MVP. Logan is then nominee number two. He gets the daily win. He has great strategy throughout, and especially for being a rookie in this game, the strategy is even that much more impressive that he was able to know that and grasp it coming in. Um, so he gets some votes for sure, but doesn't quite get the win. Corey also gets some votes for the elimination win. Um, and even if the strategy wasn't great throughout firing off on folks, being the center of attention of this episode, being a great narrator in the confessional room, a lot of good coming from Corey during this episode, but the winner has to be my lady Bettina, 
She gets the elimination win. She gets, you know, to feel herself afterwards. We just talked about has a great little moment afterwards. She handles the puzzle all on her own. It is her that, you know, has the strategy decision mid-elimination when they're way, way behind. It tells Corey, hey, we can't, we got to try something different. Let's try this. This is the setup we need. She kind of seems to be leading the way once they get in that position of, all right, now we got to count off, stare in each other's eyes. Do not look at anywhere else. We are one person here. So, Great strategy from her, great elimination win from her, and we start to get a little more from her, just personality-wise, we see her a little more. She's awesome. She gets the MVP of this episode. So those are your awards. Let's end this podcast out. I know it's been a long one. Thanks for sticking with us, but we've got one more segment to touch on. We've got to talk about the power rankings and some predictions moving forward, but the power rankings is very important because... If this game's going individual, we might as well too with our power rankings. So let's get to that right now. All right, so we've got 18 players left in the game, and uh, we might as well talk about the little cliffhanger now. Uh, we referenced it earlier, but we end the episode with uh, Corey and Bettina not getting to pick new partners, just joining the group. Tori and Ed partner lists for the moment, and we see from the next week on, and we assume from the cliffhanger nature of it, that that is because partners are going to be no more, and they are going to be probably, I assume, playing totally individually. Maybe they'll be in two teams. We don't 100% know, but the, the odds-on favor here is that they are now going to just play purely as individuals, at least for the time being. Um, but that means for our power rankings... We are going to assume that they are going to play as individuals, and we are now going to change the power rankings from teams to individuals and give you a male and female list power rankings. And so to do that, just to quickly, because uh, it is kind of confusing at this point of, you know, it's been confusing who's on whose team, but also just who's left. Um, we still got 18 people on the male side. We've got CT, Devin, Josh, Kyle, Ed, Corey, Nelson, Emmanuel and Logan. Those are your nine guys left. And on the female side, we've got Nani, Casey, Tori, Big T, Priscilla, Bettina, Ashley, Amanda, and Emmy. Those are your nine women left. So with that in mind, let's do uh, let's do the female power rankings first. I uh, had a slightly, uh, I guess actually more difficult time, honestly, with the female side than the male side. Um, the top of the female power rankings was pretty easy, and then it got very... Very tough to decipher after that. Now, these these rankings are going to now be, while all season long they've been who's going to make the final. We said at some point we transitioned to who can win a final. We're in the literal middle of that transition part right now. So this is kind of looking at both who's going to make and who we think can win, kind of weighing both those factors equally for now. So on the female side, our female power rankings, and we're going to go full one through nine on this. No more top fives, no more top threes. Full one through nine. These are your rankings going into episode number 10, at least from this historian's perspective. On the female side, we've got Casey in the top spot. She and Tori in the second in the second spot. Those two have been both, you know, kind of seem uh both from what we've known from previous shows and just seem like the dominant physical females of this season and has definitely been respected as so by the rest of the house it seems like every single week and when someone gets to pick a new partner it's just talked about both by those getting to pick and everyone else in the house of like are they going to pick tori or casey on uh, from you know men picking a female side so they're definitely looked at in the house by the rest of them as the physical threats on the female side and those two are top two 
in my rankings. Then third spot, we've got Amanda, who I think is just sitting in a real good spot for the first time in her challenge career, not causing waves, not causing creating enemies, just kind of sitting back, going with it. Her and Kyle just kind of doing their thing in the background. I think she's really set up to make a final um, and potentially be one of those that can make a final without ever seeing an elimination here on this season. So Casey one, Tori two, Amanda three, Nani four for pretty much all the reasons I just said about Amanda, Big T five, Priscilla six, Emmy seven, Ashley eight, Bettina nine, Bettina in the last spot, mostly because I think she's going to get thrown in multiple more times into elimination. I think there is still going to be some rookie targeting that happens and some weak link targeting that happens. And while Bettina has proven herself very well, especially in this episode with this elimination win, I think she's going to continue to be a target and is going to go in too many times. She's not, I don't see a, you know, three, three and oh, four and oh elimination run in her future. So I think she's at the bottom because of that. And Ashley, two-time champ, I do think is going to also continue to be targeted. And as we've seen, isn't stellar in the eliminations uh, when she is targeted, has gone home in a lot of eliminations in recent seasons. So that's why those two are at the bottom. The middle could kind of go anyway. It's really Casey and Tori are at the top. Ashley and Bettina are kind of at the bottom for me and everyone else in the middle could go anywhere. On the male side, your top nine, CT number one, that's that's not changing until he's off the show. Uh, he's going to win. Say it every week. He's going to win. CT will win again this season. Number two and three spot, though, the rookies mentioned earlier, Logan and Ed, both looking just really fierce on the competition side. Like they could win some more daily challenges. They could win a final if they got there. They could even compete against the CT in a final maybe. Um, So while I do see Ed maybe getting uh, targeted a little bit for eliminations, I think Logan's in a great place alliance-wise. So CT, Logan, Ed, your top three. Then we got Devin and Kyle, four and five, just because of where they sit in the house politically. Corey, Nelson, Emmanuel, Josh rounding it out. I think Josh was going to immediately be targeted down in an individual game. I don't think he's going to win any daily challenges, and I don't think he'll win an elimination if and when he gets thrown in, and I feel confident he will get thrown in. I think Emmanuel is now going to be kind of on the outs of alliances and is also going to be looked at as, while he's a great athlete, he is on the smaller side compared to all these other guys. So I think if a Devin gets thrown into elimination, he might, out of everyone else left, say, well, give me Emmanuel. He's at least, you know, I'm a similar size to him. Same thing with a Corey or Nelson. If they get thrown in, they might go with a, well, I want to go against the smallest physical stature-wise guy left in the house. Um, so I just think he's going to end up being that kind of multiple times targeted if it, if it wins an elimination, thrown right back in there as kind of the underdog. Um, so Josh and Manuel at the bottom, CT at the top, everyone else in between could go anyway. Those are your power rankings. Finally, some predictions. Uh, on these episodes, we make predictions for the season long we've made nine so far one tori has five plus partners this episode she would have had her fifth partner if they would have stuck with the regular thing um she was part you know her partner went into elimination loss she was partnerless so she would have been in her fifth partnership of the season but if they actually are going to go individual it looks like we're probs going to be wrong on this one although it feels like we were correct we we're right there on the literal doorstep Um, but that one probably wrong if they go individual, but maybe they'll go back to partners again at some point. So who knows? So still in play Fessy, the first vet targeted was our second prediction. That one was wrong. He did the first targeting CT is going to win was our third prediction still in play, still very much correct. 
David will make it further than Josh was prediction number four, very much in play. Ed will make a final fifth prediction, still very much in play. Anissa will make a final was our sixth prediction. That one is wrong. Josh and Amber will not make the final. Amber is now gone. Josh is not looking great in my view, so that one's looking like we could get it right. CT is going to pick, be picked as a partner two plus times. Again, same as the prediction with Tori. He was about to be chosen as a new partner for the second time, so we would have got this right. But now with this twist from TJ, we're probably going to get this wrong, although technically we feel like we got it right. And then our ninth one we made two weeks ago was we will not see any more DQs for injury or fighting. That is still in play from the time we said it. Our new one moving forward is that Devin will not see an elimination, with the exception of if there's a rule change or a purge of some sort that forces everyone to have to see an elimination, some some TJ twist that makes it happen, that won't count as being wrong. But otherwise, we are going to predict that Devin will play the perfect social game, political game, and he will not see an elimination and will make that final without ever having to go into an elimination himself. So we've rounded out. we now got 10 predictions, two wrong, um, and so far a lot still in play. We'll see where those go. We know this was a very, very long episode of the podcast, so thank you for sticking with us through all of it. Thank you for coming back. I know we had the week off last week. Again, it was for great reason. You got a married man here talking to you. So we got we got the ring that we've always wanted now. The only ring that remains out there is a challenge championship for me. One day, let me get on this show. and Let me see if I can get one of those as well. But Thank you for coming back and listening again after the week off. Thank you for listening in general. Every single one of you out there listening or watching on YouTube, we appreciate you so, so, so very much. Uh, means the world to us that anyone, literally any one single person would listen to this. Um, and we know we're long-winded and we talk in depth about this show. And uh, so we appreciate you for not just listening, but listening to the whole thing. If you want more content from me and the Challenge Historian, check out our Instagram follow at the Challenge Historian or just at Challenge Historian. Excuse me, no the on that. We are going to start posting a lot of content now that wedding planning's done. My summer kayak gig is done. We've got a lot more time to focus on the challenge and the challenge historian. So a lot of content coming on that Instagram as well as on the YouTube channel in the next week or so. We're going to launch our first YouTube only outside of the podcast, YouTube only specific edited content. So challenge historian on YouTube, follow us there. And of course, always follow, rate, review this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the follow. If it's on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe, that rate, review, five stars. Very much helps us, very much appreciated. But that is all for episode nine, Spies, Lies, and Allies. That is all for any breaks from this show anytime moving forward. We will be back again next Tuesday for our review preview going into episode 10. We will be back late next Wednesday night for episode 10 recap. We hope you will be back with us. Until then, thanks for being here. Talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>